Welcome to The Retro Word, where we talk about acting, filmmaking, photography, and just life in general. This is our first episode on filmmaking, starting out, advice on equipment. Today I have a guest, Zach Gallen. Hello, I'm Zach. Yeah, you and your brothers have your own production company. Yeah, the company's called uh, Shabloom Studios. We have a web series currently online. Harbor Shores. Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll find uh, Eric Lopez um, starring and featured in there. And yeah, we just got a bunch of different stuff in the works, uh, like another web series, a bunch of other shorts, a couple features that we're writing. Um, so yeah, we just try and stay as busy as we can. And I know uh, a lot of Sometimes people, you know, kind of ask is, you know, what camera should I get when I'm starting out? Uh, what software should I use to edit? You know, where can I go online for more information? And and really, it just comes down to uh, what you want to accomplish. Are you shooting sketches? Are you, you know, are you doing a YouTube channel? Uh, on tape auditions is you can make a business out of it do you want to start your own production company like there's so many you know different questions there and especially what role you want to play because i know some people like they they don't really care too much about the equipment they're just like hey i just want to shoot stuff yeah yeah and and even on that too it's uh something to kind of I hate to say just avoid like getting a bunch of actors together and assigning roles because obviously it's it's kind of an ego thing so you know because the actor first and foremost wants to star in the thing you know what i mean it's like we've kind of run right, into that right, issue yeah. too where i think to some extent you need someone who isn't at all uh, invested in acting and it's kind of like oh yeah you know because i think you can teach a photographer how to shoot a film i think you can teach a filmmaker of that sense a director to maybe hold a boom mic and go from there you know but it's it's a little trickier with actors because I think there's just a bit of resentment if they aren't in the limelight. You know, <laughs> that is yeah, that is a good uh, point because you know if you if you are an actor and you you want to start up your own like uh, YouTube channel or something, just be aware like you know how deep do you want to get into this? You know, uh, are you eventually going to be a cinematographer or do you just kind of want to shoot sketches? Another thing to keep in mind is budget. So we're just going to go over, you know, the low budget, the medium budget, and the professional kind of level, different types of equipment that you can pretty much uh, get and I would recommend. I've been out here for about three and a half years. I've done a bunch of different sketches. I've seen a bunch of different sets. And, uh, and you know, Zach as well. And, you know, this is pretty much a compilation of just things that we've seen. And I guess... I wish someone would have like said all these things whenever I first came out. I'd be like, hey, you need this, this, this. You don't need this. If you're just going to shoot this, don't worry about that. Let's start off with the information first. People, you know, always ask, you know, well, where can I go? Where do you learn these things? So much on the internet. One of the main websites I go to is uh, nofilmschool.com. There's always articles on there. Too. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, it's really interesting too for like myself. I don't operate uh, much of the equipment. Like I know how to use the camera and the sound equipment, but that's not my forte. I'm an actor first and foremost. Um, I'll write a little bit. I'll direct a little bit. I'll produce a little bit. But but no, film school actually is really interesting. I think. We're regardless of what your role is, like we talked about earlier. And especially as an actor, like knowing editing, knowing like what the director kind of wants, it just opens you up a little bit more. Another website is cheesycam.com. The reason why it's good is because they offer a lot of uh, do-it-yourself type things. They review these alternatives to the more expensive brands or or what have you. Uh, I've seen a couple like adapters and audio equipment and and then, you know, sometimes they have like rigs and stuff that they kind of make themselves. And I know Steven kind of made one, um, Zach's brother. Using, yeah, PVC pipe and stuff. Um, and they, they work perfectly great. You know what I mean? It's a difference between, well, geez, probably anywhere from 50 to to $100 worth of like parts as opposed to, you know, $700, 5000 for, you know, the uh, 
some of the more professional rigs. And right now they, they also have coupons and codes and whatnot that you can you can kind of do. So if you go to Cheesy Cam, they'll have like a coupon code or you go to No Film School, they'll have a coupon code. Uh, Backstage.com is another good one if you're just kind of starting out for actors. But also there's some articles for, for filmmakers as well. And also, I just found this one out, the ASC.com, ASC, yeah, American Society of Cinematographers. They have really cool, like, a lot of information. They have a, a magazine that comes out, the American Cinematographer. They also have a bunch of podcasts where they have, like, the actual cinematographers talking about the lenses they use and all that stuff. So if you're if you're really serious about it, it's a really cool website that I just found out. Another thing is, you know, you go to libraries, go to Barnes & Noble, just anywhere with books. It's, it's really cool. You'll find that everywhere, you know? And if you're interested in writing too I would you know especially features I would absolutely recommend um, a lot of the libraries I'm not sure about out of state but I I know in LA it was kind of new to me to discover this but um, they will have uh, feature films very typical feature films that you're familiar with so so you know kind of bigger budget uh, moderate budget but normal stuff Um, they'll have the script that was sold and produced kind of before it was put into production. Those are really interesting to read and, and really important. And I'm sure, too, you pick up any other books about uh, um, about writing screenplays, you can run into something like that where they'll recommend reading those because they are very helpful. There's also like workshops you can take, a website called MZ, M-Z-E-D, Creative Live is a good one. Basically just being on sets, you know, like whenever you're working either low budget, medium budget, you know, even professionals, like there's there's different sets you can be on and, and just learn from, you know, be, be a PA, be an assistant or something and just... Just go, wow, even if you don't think that it's going to do anything, there's usually, chances there's usually one person on set that, you know, for the most part knows what he's doing. And, and you know, he might teach you something new. I know the other day we had a 48-hour film race, which I would recommend anyone to do just because it just makes you just go out and shoot something instead of just talking about it. Mm-hmm. And good for team building, too. I mean, you really, like, if you can do a film in 48 hours, uh, imagine what you can do with two weeks or two oh, yeah. months or oh, three yeah. months, you know. With planning and everything, mm-hmm. yeah. One of the cool things that I found out was there was a scene that we were doing in, indoors where it needed to be like a nighttime thing and we needed to shoot during the day. You know, we, we had a time crunch. So we put foil on the windows to just kind of block out the light. I thought that was pretty cool. If you don't have like any, if you don't have a, a lot of cloth or anything like that to kind of black out yeah, the windows. Blackout curtains and everything. Oh yeah. I mean, you can go professional with it, but if you're just, you know, on a budget, foil is great for that. Bouncing light off ceilings. If you can't hang lights, stuff like that. You'll, you learn that on set, you know, seeing other people do it. Yeah. And um, also, I mean, on set too, like, you know, people will say this all the time, just ask questions. Seriously, though, ask questions. There's a lot of people on set, a lot of people in this industry who like to share information. I think belief is that people are like hoarding a lot of their success. Some people are like that, but you'd be you'd be amazed. You can talk to any cinematographer. I know Eric, you know, is, is, can vouch for this, too, is like, you know, talking to different people. You're like, hey, what do, you, what do you use for this? They love it when you, A, have some knowledge of what they're doing and, B, love to give even more great information about it you know mm-hmm. they'd be like oh yeah this is the camera i use normally we're using this one we like this because of this i prefer this because of that it's really informative and these are people that are working all the time and, oh yeah you know or if not all the time then i you know ideally more than you i mean i found that the younger crew members you know they've been there like the older the older ones you know 40 50 not to be age discriminate but i just found that they're less likely to relate to someone who is kind of on a low budget doing digital type stuff but the the younger guys who you know just either came out of film school or have only 
you know, been out for a couple of years, uh, they remember, they remember, you know, picking up the little DSLR and shooting stuff with their friends. So they get excited when you go up to them and you're like, yeah, man, I'm shooting this. I'm like, cool, dude. Yeah, they can definitely relate to that. So definitely that's people to talk to during lunchtime or something. Yeah, they can relate to that. So let's go ahead and get started with the equipment list right here is just the low budget for people that are doing like on tapes, like on tape auditions, some sketches, simple web series, quick shorts, you know, things that you just want to like, you just want to shoot, just feel like shooting and you're just like, where do I start? I, I need a... Uh, a, a camera? Do I need audio? Do I need light? What, what do I need? If it's just going online, YouTube or Vimeo, you don't need 4K. You really don't. I know a lot of times people get super excited about like, oh man, we're going to shoot with the red and oh man, we're shooting with the RE Alexa. But if you really think about it, it's not just the camera. It's the lens. It's the, 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 the computer, the graphics, you know, like there's so many different things that go into uh, shooting something. And, and I would really recommend if you're on a low budget, just start off with a DSLR, just a simple, simple DSLR. And I know, uh, you know, Zach and, and Shabloom Studios, his brothers and everything, they, that's how they started out. Um, and I know that worked out with, I mean, you guys shot Harbor Shores with it too. Yeah. We shot an entire 20 episode web series with a, uh, yeah, the Canon T3i, which I know we'll talk a little more about, but, um, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And quite frankly, I mean, 2k, 4k, it's a novelty. You know, your your chances are pretty good if you're in the low budget, even medium budget. Your film is not going to be up in an IMAX theater, you know, in the same weekend that Interstellar was. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's like yeah, it really is a novelty that's not necessary for for computers too. I mean, how many computers right now display 4K resolution? Doesn't right. make a difference. You know, I mean, you're going to upload it as ProRes or as you know, 1080p anyway, high definition. Which is beautiful enough as it is. Like it's like it really, yeah, it really <laughs> is. There's there's other aspects to yeah. it other than the than uh-huh. that. And also too, it's like whenever you know, I've I've seen a couple of videos that are like, oh, it's on 4K, and then you have the option on YouTube to kind of select or Vimeo, whatever. And I'm like, I don't feel like, uh, you know, it's not everyone's internet is that fast yet, and I don't feel like waiting for it to load. Like 1080p, just you know, I just want to see, you know, how it's lit. I just want to see the story, you know. So if uh, you just want to get things done, it'll just it'll seriously speed up your your workflow if you just get uh, a camera. Here's here's some examples for cameras. I know people just you know they want an actual example. Cameras like the Canon T3i, T4i, T5i, T6i. Those those the T series, the Rebel series, they're great. The 70s, you know, I got a 5D uh, starting out and and it was really nice. I would just say go Canon or Sony. You know, even Panasonic has some cool ones. Just starting out like that, it really does. It's so simple and it really is plug and play and the canon 5d2 is really commonly used um, i've shot a bunch of uh, professional short films that uh, take full advantage of the canon 5d which is a really affordable and very professional dslr too you know it did they didn't they didn't need to shoot with a red or rent a red or rent a you know the re um with the re alexa yeah and all thank those you different, yes yeah, cameras, yeah it's yeah. not not entirely necessary and then also too with the canons just a side note the T3i, T4i, T5i, T6i, etc. are pretty much the same camera. So if you're really like, if you're fighting that budget, go with the T3i. It's fine. Someone who shows up with the T6i is not going to blow you away with how much nicer the photo is or how much more beautiful it takes photography or, or video. For the most part, they are uh, close neighbors. The next thing that we're going to talk about here is the lenses. And a lot of times people always say, oh, man, like, you know, that camera looks great, this and that. But people always tend to forget about what goes in front of the, the sensor, the, the actual lens. Now, usually the camera that you get comes with a lens called a kit lens. I recommend to go with the body only without a, the kit lens. 
And the reason for it is, you know, the quality isn't always the best with these lenses that come with the camera. Uh, you can save about like $100, $200, and you can put that $100, $200 that you save towards a nicer lens. You know, on a low budget, you know, you want to start with like a zoom lens, maybe 24 to 70 millimeters for like a lot of like running gun situations. Uh, you want to do like an f-stop of like 2.8 would be ideal, but I know those can be more expensive. The the lower the number, the brighter you will get your image in low light situations, which, you know, if you're doing a low budget, it definitely helps out because you may not have all the lights to make everything look good indoors. Yes. Yeah, 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 which is, I, I quite frankly, I, I, I would probably say that lighting is one of the last things you will fund for or budget for. <laughs> you know, it just makes the most sense. You're like, all right, well, if, you know, if we don't have the lighting, guess what? We have the sun and we have that, uh, you know, every day. Yeah, and you might as well just shoot outside. And I would, and I would probably recommend shooting outside if you're on a low budget, just because it's it, it'll look better. You'll have more depth of field. There's just so many good things that come from shooting outside, and it and it's cheaper too. Now you have your lens and your and, and your camera, and you know you're thinking, so I'm ready to shoot, right? Well, technically, yeah. We used to joke all the time, me and Zach, saying that like it'd be funny if if we were shooting like a web series or a short, and then it's like you have an iPhone like right in front of them, and they're just like, yeah, oh, yeah. they just expect like to be on a set, and then you're just shooting something with an iPhone. But in reality, that's I mean, that you have the bare bones. That's really all you really need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we shot a couple sketches because uh, we the first camera we used was literally like a a, a Canon kind of. Uh, um, uh, just handy handy cam that was you know, standard definition. So I mean, it didn't look the most uh, attractive. Uh, but we yeah we shot with that for a while, and then we sh- we shot on an iPad. I think the second generation <laughs> iPad. We shot a couple sketches that way. We were pretty happy with it. It went online. It wasn't going into a movie theater. We weren't selling it. Um, and those work just fine, you know, until we until we uh, could invest in a DSLR. Going going back to what you know we talked about in the very beginning about like what is your end result? Is it going to go on YouTube? Do you just want to get this out? Are you just doing sketches? Do you just want to do your YouTube channel? Honestly, if you have a camera and a lens, you're good to go. You don't need don't don't worry about all the other stuff because the more you the more equipment you have. The, the longer it's going to take for you to actually, you know, get it synced up. If you have like a separate audio, yes. you know, uh, you can get a boom mic and audio equipment for your web series. But but how deep down this like, you know, rabbit hole do you really want to go? You know, the more equipment, the more time you need to set up shots to plan shots, people on set to hold the equipment to, you know, kind of run the equipment. You know, and now you're getting into medium budget territory if you're not careful. You may even end up being like a gear junkie, which, you know, you really don't want to do. Furthermore, too, it kind of brings back to what we talked about earlier, where in this case, then, if you have a handful of actors, you just need one person to operate a camera and then the rest of the people can act. So, you know, so in that in that sense, you don't need people who are experienced with this equipment, you know, among other things. And then not to mention, too, you know, Tangerina, um, a really oh, yeah, big yeah, hit yeah. recently at Sundance, Sundance yeah. was shot on an iPhone. It was yeah. a feature film shot on an iPhone. Granted, they had, you know, uh, they had, I think the, the, the director had a, an adapter to put a couple cool lenses on the, oh, like on the, the iPhone. Micro and macro lenses. Yeah, and, and I'm, yeah. I'm sure they still, you know, they, they were doing it on a super low budget, though. Like, I mean, the, the cost of a phone, you think about it, what is it, like $500, $600? Out of contract, yeah. And it's sneaky, too. If you're really doing running gun type stuff, if you're shooting with lights and a boom mic, people are going to see that, you know, especially in a low yes, budget. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no film LA to, to worry about exactly. Right. <laughs> 
So bottom line, you really just want to, you know, edit something, just test it out, shoot something. And then from there, you'll notice what you can live with and what you can't. If you if you shoot something and you're happy with it, whatever, man, just, you know, just upload it. It'll be fun and it'll get you noticed. You know, I, I saw a web series uh, for Broad Series. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. Broad, Broad City. Broad City. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Broad City. And and that got picked up for, for a series. And if you look Comedy on YouTube, Central, yeah. it looks like they didn't spend too much money on, on doing it. I don't think so. I mean, well, and they probably don't even spend that much on the on producing the show professionally and i use professionally in quotes too you know what i mean for the most part there it, yeah it's probably not a huge budget for this this essentially web series that they're putting on tv if you're really on a low budget and you want to do like audio you can go with like a shotgun microphone and a boom pole uh some shotgun microphones you know they can connect straight to your camera through a mic jack uh, or you can get like an XLR to 3.5 millimeter adapter. You know, those are those work well, and we use those for Harbor Shores as well. That way you don't have to like sync it up later on in audio. But also too, I would, if you have the money, I would splurge and go for a separate audio mixer. You know, regardless, you're going to need an additional friend to help you out. You're going to need an extra person on set to kind of like man the audio. And you want to be careful who you choose for that because it it can really mess things up. You know, if you, if you have someone on set that is not focused on what they're doing and, you know, I mean, we've, we've had that a couple of times where it kind of ruins things if they don't know how to work the equipment or if they just, uh, they get lost in the acting and they're just like watching instead of focusing on their job, you know? And furthermore too, that's, it, it adds time in post-production because now you have to deal with ADR or now you have to deal with all this other stuff that wasn't involved. My brothers and I were guilty of that too, because we kind of, uh, co-direct the three of us and then at the same time if we don't have someone to operate the boom we'll operate it and it's very easy to sit there and start watching the scene instead of focusing on like oh crap i need to make sure the levels are good to go i need to make sure the boom is um just out of frame but close enough that it's picking up audio as cleanly as possible you want to make sure that the boom mic that you end up using or any mic is no more than three feet away from the person speaking you know you want these crisp voices and more distance to that will just give you like faint audio you have to get close that's you know or or use a lavalier or something and a good on-camera mic is the road video mic pro uh, which i personally got as backup and also for documentary stuff but ideally get a xlr shotgun microphone certainly if you can afford someone who can do uh, lavalier mics, which are you know personal mics, personal microphones for um, individual actors, then great. Those are typically more high maintenance. Whereas a boom mic, I mean, you you, you know any any Joe Schmo that's not familiar with it, you can pretty much train them to do it and do a decent enough job that you're good to go. And they are really crisp and clear. It's 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 definitely worth it and pretty affordable. I think overall, you know, for for at least a good quality one as well. You don't have to spend two thousand bucks on something. Some of the brands that we've seen around here, you know, even on professional sets, is you know Sennheiser, uh, Rode, the Rode NTG2 or the NTG3. You know, just pretty much just read reviews online look and listen to YouTube clips. There's so many, you know, I found a cool shotgun mic by a company called Asden and it can switch from a shotgun to a condenser mic, which is pretty cool. And I got that for like, you know, 180, 190 bucks. So really on the lower range, prices are going to vary. You know, you're, you're going to go from like 120 to like 300. One kind of big blanket note for audio too. And this is something you were told also, Eric was, at the end of the day, the the camera the camera is going to take kind of a back seat to how well the audio comes out. Even the most beautiful looking film, and we see this a lot in forty eight hour film fest oh, yeah. as well. Even the most beautiful looking film 
with bad audio, it just it ruins it. It really does it really ruin does, it. Yeah. Whereas you can have fantastic audio and a really crummy looking video. And you're like, oh, that's the look they were going for. Exactly. <laughs> it can be justified. Bad audio can't be justified. Bad video can absolutely be justified. And uh, here the next step is the medium budget. When you're looking at low budget stuff and you're like, you know what? I want something of quality. I want a web series that you can potentially market maybe. Maybe you want to put a short into a festival. And the next step would be lighting. I would really recommend ICANN lights. They're like 500 watts, three light setup. You know, it's perfect for on tapes. It's perfect for documentaries. It's perfect for interviews. You can put gels on them. They're so versatile that it's like there's no going wrong with them. The only thing that I wish, because they're dimmable too, the only thing I wish is I would have put more money in and gotten the, the thousand watt like setup because in certain situations you do need a little bit stronger kick. So if, if you do have the extra money, maybe you can get the 500 watts and then get at least like one 1K or 2K light, you know, that's more powerful for indoor shots. Because a lot of times you're going to be shooting indoors more likely than not. For uh, medium budget, you mean? And LED lights, you know, they're going to be more expensive. I found that softbox 1K lights are, are typically a lot cheaper. There's so many different ways to shape the light, not just like, oh, like a 500 watt light. Oh, this. They're, you have to look at barn doors. You have to look at skirts. You have to look at like China balls. good. I, I know you can get like a from like Home Depot that has like a couple thousand lumens. Yeah, yeah. And these are all great alternatives too. Again, he's, you know, we're, we're providing kind of suggestions here for things that aren't um, going to be as expensive as a 1K light or some right, of the ICANN right. LEDs and stuff. So just a heads up on that. And even uh, in American Hustle, they use, they use that China ball. They just had a guy with a boom pole just kind of hanging the, the China ball, you know, as people are doing like walk and talk scenes or even just for regular scenes. We've used it and it looks it looks pretty sweet. China balls are nice. Yeah. Use it on a couple of different projects. You're paying next to nothing for just this diffuser. And the most you're going to be paying for is probably the extension cord to to run the light overhead. Oh, yeah. I mean, I paid, what, $13 at uh, Ikea for my China ball? $13. Whenever I'm on professional sets and stuff like that, I see overhead lights. Those cost like thousands and thousands of dollars and especially you have to have the right you know area to hang them up and if you can get the same effect the same feel then boom worth it absolutely worth it every penny you put into it there's also mini brick lights that you can do on battery which i would strongly recommend as well uh, these are great i mean i've shot like this could even go back to like low budget you know like uh they just run on batteries and you can run around and kind of use them for fill or you can use them if you're shooting something at night. Especially as it's getting later, too. If you're taking a little longer than you expected and that sun, you know, sun oh, yeah. is starting to set a little quicker for you. Yeah, great tools, great alternatives. And diffusers, too. I mean, going back to shooting outside, like diffusers for the sun, bounces, reflectors, whiteboards, poster boards from Target. Foam boards is what they use on set. You know, if you live in the L.A. area in Burbank, there's a place called Foam Mart. And also, too, there's uh, film tools if you live in the L.A. area. Film tools is cool. Yeah, you'll get a lot of uh, um, film nerds there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's got a lot, a lot of great equipment, but yeah, pe- people who know the industry will be like, oh yeah, film tools. I know where that. And yeah, I know exactly where that's at. Going on to audio for medium budget, really look into the mixers. The mixers are really like I just got this this new mixer called the Zoom H6. It was three ninety nine, which you know it seems kind of expensive, but in the long run. You want to make sure that the audio is good. You know, if you ask someone for their time, instead of paying someone 
like a hundred dollars a day or something like that. You can just say, Hey, do you want to help me out with this? You know, hold the boom mic. I already have all the equipment and it's a lot easier to get someone to commit to that and not have to pay them. You know, sometimes the, if, if you're renting their equipment, then you might, you might, you're like, oh, I might as well have bought, you know, over time, I might as well have just bought the $400 mixer with a $200, you know, boom. And absolutely. When you're filming, let's say, you know, every other weekend and you're spending $200 for a camera or sound equipment. Right. Especially for a web series that's going to go on for a while, you know? Oh, yeah. Ideally. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. But uh, also, too, I just wanted to point this out. You don't want to, like, put too many things up in the air like, oh, man, like, I'm I'm saving up for this. I'm saving up for that. You know, we're here talking about equipment, but at the same time, you just – you got to get things done. You know, you got to – you can't keep saying, oh, I'm going to put this off until later. You know, I have more money or, you know, when when this or that. It's like, no, just set a date. Look for actors and crew, and, and if things come up scheduling-wise, you move the date, but you're setting the date. You're saying, hey, this is for real, and it's almost like you're saying this out loud. I know a lot of times people, they talk about making goals for themselves, and, and you know people are talking about like quitting something. It's like, oh, you know, or if I'm going to go on a diet or if I'm going to start working out. The more people you tell, the more you make it known like, hey, I'm going to go on a diet or, hey, I'm going to start working out like this many times a day. You, you almost feel like you don't want to let people down. So if you say, hey, we're shooting on this date, it should motivate you to get things done by that date because now you've told people – I'm shooting on this date. And the more people you tell, the more people are going to be like, hey, you know, like, did you end up shooting? So it's like you're, you're going to be motivated to shoot. Especially, too, if the people that you're telling are people that you're seeking help from. I mean, these are people that, A, have to have enough time to take off of work. Right, especially in LA. Yeah, exactly. Chances are pretty good that the folks that you're talking to aren't millionaires, billionaires, you know, people who make a lot of money. These are people who are um, waiting tables, scrounging for cash to pay for rent and to kind of get by, pay for acting classes or pay for, you know, um, any any type of uh, a film school that they're going to. So when they are asking for days off of work, it kind of gives uh, a little more importance to being like, okay, well, you know what? This is real. This is going to happen. We have to shoot on this day, come hell or high water. Yeah, and people get excited for that. I mean, you look at people like Robert Rodriguez whenever he shot his first you know, feature film. He recorded the actors right after he shot the scene. So he he would shoot the scene with the actors, and then right afterwards, he would ask them not only to just do like wild lines, but he's it's pretty much essentially ADR and pretty much acting out the the scene they just did for his like little microphone, handheld microphone that he had, because that's all he had. So I mean, there are ways to go around it. There's no excuse when you're putting the time and you're putting the effort. That's the truth of it. If if this is what you want to be doing, you have to be doing it. Um, which is again another you know 48 hour film fest is a great opportunity to kind of put all the the BS aside and motivate yourself to get down and do this um, make it happen i mean mark duplass himself has always said you know he, he says there's no excuse for you and your friends to you know not get together on the weekends and shoot a film oh especially nowadays man yeah the equipment's you know at this point too affordable and too available because chances are good too yeah if, if you don't want to buy a new camera i bet you anything you could ask your friend who knows a friend who has a camera Perfect. You know, hey, oh, you want to help us out with this thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, if they're in L.A., chances are pretty good they're related. You know, they, they, <laughs> they have some desire to act or, or um, produce filmmake. Or yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's lavaliers you can get. The Cause 11 are the ones that they use on set a lot. You know, you want to get rubber protectors for them or like fuzzy ones. The, you want to get like clear, breathable first aid tape. It's kind of like this textured, like clear tape. And I used to use this 3M brown tape that someone on an indie set recommended and for years, I knew about the first aid clear tape being used on the bigger sets, but 
I always had that brown tape and I was just like, oh, well, I already have it. So I might as well use it. And, you know, I'm sure there's people using it. I couldn't figure out why there was this issue. Like I always had like, you know, ruffling uh, going on. I'm like, oh, man, this person's moving around too much. And literally just recently, I, I got to age six and I was just messing around with the, the lavaliers. Experimenting, yeah. And, and yeah, experimenting. And, and then I realized that it was actually the tape because I'm like, I, you know, I mounted the lavaliers like, the you know, the same way I always do. But then I could really, I don't know, it was a little bit clear to me that it was the tape that was doing the, the I guess, the damage. And the, the laws that you got, the um, the Cause 11s. Ca- were those the ones that came with the the rounded head initially, and you had to replace the um, the the actual microphone? Oh yeah, so I I got the Sennheiser uh, G3 packs, and the thing about lavaliers is it's I mean this 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 it gets pretty expensive. You know, you you're looking at packs for like four hundred five hundred dollars, and a piece and that's a piece. A, so like per person, yeah. And then on top of that, some of them come with microphones, like little like you know the, the cables with the actual microphone, but they really aren't that great for hiding. Some of them are more for like interviews. So if you want to hide them, the cause 11s really are. So I had to buy that separately. And that was another, the cause 11s are like $300, $400 as well. So it's like, yeah, you know, you're getting up there, but like I said, medium budget, it really does save you from having someone hold a boom. If you were a one man band and you're like, you know what, let's just go and do this. What you could do is set it up so it's like okay get the actors you know direct the scene make sure everything's cool and then once everything's like good acting wise then you grab the the lavaliers you put them on the actors and then you test the audio you just have them speak into the mic or whatever and then you just make sure that the levels are good and then you can take the headphones off and you can run and grab the camera and and shoot it like that's that's extreme one-man band i've done it before it's worked but at the same time, you know, it is nice having someone else on set. Again, somebody else to worry about it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to be focusing on 30 different things at once. And you, I mean, you really, you, you do run and gun, kind of guerrilla style, uh, um, lower budget, uh, independent films, web series and stuff. Yeah, you kind of get into your mind where you're like, yeah, I, I can focus on makeup, hair, costume, photography, directing, acting, and like a million different things. But at the end of the day, you're going to look at the footage and be like, oh, yeah, they're making yeah, this. Yeah, I miss this or oh, I miss they're, that. they're shaded on their face. Yeah, because you are worried about everything. Whereas it is nice to have someone whose focus is this. Focus is that. Focus is this, this, and this. You know, just to, yeah, it makes it, uh, takes a lot of the stress off of you. And, th- and that being said, I actually, you know, I want to give a special little like uh, shout out to like a, a book that I read. It's called Rebel Without a Crew. And and it was a uh, it's Robert Rodriguez had written it and it's kind of like a uh, originally I thought it was a book and I was like oh, okay cool like a book about indie filmmaking but I never really looked into it too much and then it wasn't until I saw it at Barnes and Noble you know one day and I was just like yeah you know I have some time let me just skim through this and it was a diary I was amazed it was an actual like journal like every, from you know beginning to end like every single page is a journal like March this this and that this happened today you know April this 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 and it chronicles him pretty much starting out like doing pre-production you know the whole story about him selling his body you know what whatever to uh, to fund the movie he's he's journaling in there talking about all the things that are going on talking about all the different scenes and all the different stuff he's gonna do with el mariachi and then he even goes into like while he's shooting all the different things that are happening like oh man this happened today oh you know the the mexican officers were super nice and they let us use the jail you know so it's just really cool. It's like a first-hand view of, of someone just in the grind. You know, there's even like some entries where he's talking about how he's editing and, you know, he's editing for a couple of days straight. He's by himself and his back just gives out. 
Uh, so he just doesn't edit for one day. He's like, I can, my bag gave out. You know, I, I can't edit today. And just a sidebar, for those of you that don't know, Robert Rodriguez is most known for, like, Spy Kids, uh, Sin City, Grindhouse, uh, yeah, the El Mariachi series. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the trilogy. Whatever yeah, with, uh, with uh, Antonio Banderas. So just, yeah, yeah just to Sin throw City that out there, <laughs> in case you're not familiar with who he is or you're like, who, who is this guy? He's the king of indie filmmaking because he really did do it super low budget and the reason why i bring it up that that book is because we're about to talk about cameras and lenses because of the advancements technologically it has really helped out a lot of one-man bands or two or three-man crews i'm getting into cameras that are three thousand to six thousand dollars cameras like all the sony cameras that just came out are are amazing the a7s someone shot a, a short like put together a little video that was just lit by moonlight just moonlight Kind of, kind of like night vision. It's like night vision, yeah. Uh, but the reason why it's so cool and interesting is because a lot of times, especially when you're working with low or medium budget, you don't have the luxury of so much light practicals and this and that. So it is kind of nice where you can just punch up the ISO, everything looks better lit, and you don't have to worry about it looking bad, like with digital noise or whatever. But going back to the cameras, you know, Sony's definitely killing it. There's a new camera out, the A7R II, which I recently bought, and... It comes with like a five-axis stabilizer. The reason why this is cool is, and there's other cameras too that are coming out with the five-axis stabilizer. But you know, Sony's kind of like the first one that's kind of coming out with a lot of them. Sony Alpha series is really kind of uh, you know storming the indie film scene a little bit here lately. What they do is they're they're making it easier for for filmmakers to to get better shots without having to spend more money on equipment like like gimbals that you know are a couple thousand dollars or steady cams. Now you're able to get everything because. The, the sensor is being stabilized in camera, so you don't have to worry about having image stabilization on your lens or, you know, having like a couple thousand dollar, you know, steady cam. Like, it's tough. Like, I have a steady cam and it sucks. Like, I, I hate bringing it out because, you know, but at the same time, if, if you want that quality, that's what you have to do. You have to stabilize it. You have to put the weights in the front and the back. Counterweights and everything. Yeah. It's actually, it seems, seems really simple to set up and it's just, it adds so much time to your like prep and to your day. And yeah, it, it really is kind of a, kind of a yeah. nightmare. So if you have someone dedicated to just, camera then yeah you can have all these separate things but if if you're kind of just you know if you want to direct and shoot and just want to shoot stuff and not have to worry about it being all shaky and stuff you can literally get one that already has a stabilizer inside for about like three thousand dollars and and yeah and you'll be i mean you'll be good to go they have low noise and high iso and and they have face tracking, you know, in video, like stuff like that. That's Which is pretty, really neat. Yeah. It is pretty cool. <laughs> it's stuff that like you don't really think about that you're just all like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's that looks like a luxury. Why don't you just pull focus? But it is nice to know that those are options out there. And having used it, having tested it out, it, it really is going to it's going to be a headache saver for for those like one man bands and and the, the two or three person crews that don't always have the luxury of someone pulling focus because usually on sets there's someone there actually pulling focus you know separately that's his job he's the focus puller and kind of moving on to other features that you know you want to look for in a camera is dynamic range yeah i mean a lot of times people talk about oh i want the film look you know and and it is true that you know whenever you get a camera like a dslr you can kind of tell that it is dslr-ish but there's there's something that you can do to get that film look and that's getting flatter images so in the camera don't do the saturation don't make the colors pop in camera you do that in post you want to capture it as flat as possible 
because that's what, you know, the red camera is shooting raw and that's as flat as possible. You want to make sure that it can capture a, a bunch of different colors. You know, cameras like the Panasonic GH4, which is pretty cheap, like, you know, a thousand something. That has a good dynamic range and everything. Like we mentioned before, the Sony cameras, the Blackmagic camera. Yeah, Blackmagic's a really popular brand right at the moment. I think even, yeah, Steven uses that one. The, yeah, the yeah, he uses one. the pocket, yeah, the pocket cam, which is, yeah, um, which is actually really nice too. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, Blackmagic is, it's essentially, they're, they're offering what you get with a red camera, um, which is super expensive, digital, um, and the Ari Alexa for a fraction of the price you know they're yes they're still expensive again you know um, we're, we're in the kind of medium budget right now um so you are going to have to invest in a camera um and there will be you know it, it's going to be a thousand to a couple thousand dollars but uh, um but for what you're getting versus what uh, what alternatives there are for you know five to twenty times that price it's absolutely worth it piggybacking off the uh the whole black magic you know pocket camera thing i i just i realized that um because i i also got a black magic as well and uh you know the gear junkie in me just yeah yeah, (laughs) i just collect so many things but but yeah i i wanted to test out the raw and i was like you know what i want to shoot raw you know and and i got it and you know it came with davinci resolve and all that stuff and i realized why am I shooting raw? Like it's so it takes up so much space. It takes up so much more time to like render and everything. When in reality, I wanted it to look good, but at the same time, I I wanted to not have to deal with storage because you know you're talking about terabytes. If you're shooting if you're shooting a feature on 4K or 2.5K raw, you're looking at terabytes. Lots of storage, yeah. Storage, yeah. and you have to make sure you have your lighting's good because the Blackmagic cameras don't always do that well in low light. Uh, lenses you can research and review. I mean, it really just depends on what you get. You know, uh, Canon has the Cine lenses, the L-series glass. Sony has the Zeiss lenses. There was actually, you know, we, we talk about, you know, once again, like, you know, depending on what you want to do, putting it online or putting it in a big screen, there was a video where a guy got his friends together. You know, some of them were filmmakers, some of them you know had no idea like you know what cameras were good or anything and they shot similar scenes similar motions similar setups and they had a different lens you know for so it's like the same the same actual camera but they put a different lens on each one one of them was like a 150 dollar camera Another one was kind of like a couple hundred dollar camera. Another one was, lens. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Lens. A couple thousand dollar like lens. There was one that was like tens of thousands of dollars because like, there's lenses they cost the same as a car. Crazy. The result that they got was they really couldn't tell 100% which ones were which because you're looking at it and, you know, especially on a computer screen, you're just like – uh, like if they're all lit the same, you know, if they're all the same motions, there's only so much that you can do to give that film look. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make or break your production. I exactly. Mean, if, yeah. if you got someone who knows how to use the equipment and knows how to light, knows how to, um, I guess, make up for the lack of expense in your budget, then at the end of the day, your film is going to look just as nice as any professional film out there, you know, or at least as close as you can. I mean, yeah, there's there's certainly a discrepancy between a David Fincher film and maybe a film that I put $250,000 into. But we've seen a bunch of indie films that have spent anywhere between like 50000 to 400000 $500,000. And you're just like, it's not that bad, actually. I've seen one that was that they spent like 200000 
and it looks good if if you know the story was better maybe like it would it would be a lot better if the acting was better it it would definitely get recognized but sometimes the money thing isn't really what makes the film great you have to maybe put focus on people you know the crew like yeah. getting uh getting music you know there's so many different other things if you want to look at medium budget and you want to say you know what i want quality um, maybe maybe the route is to to rent. You rent the camera that you want for a couple of days shoot. You rent the lens that you want for a couple of days shoot, and you know you just focus on the rest of the money on just getting people that are good at what they do and paying them. Yeah, hiring crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in LA too, there's plenty plenty of sources for renting equipment. Even just online too, people that don't live in LA offer up their equipment um, for for really affordable prices. Yeah, like borrowlenses.com, uh, lens lensrentals.com. As the other one. And also, too, I wanted to bring up uh, another thing with medium budget and lenses and all that stuff. The variable ND filters, just filters for the lenses. A lot of people are like, oh, should I get a UV filter? Should I get what kind of filter should I get? Or should I even get a filter? Once again, it just depends on the look that you're going for. If you're shooting outside, something that I've noticed, and you know, you can, you probably already know this if you're looking into DSLR stuff, but you want to shoot 24 frames per second, 24p. And on DSLR, the equivalent to that would be 150th of a shutter, 150th like shutter speed. And something like that, you know, you can you can only achieve outdoors with the super bright sun, either by a super high f-stop, which makes everything in focus, or by getting an ND filter, which will, you know, allow you to, to shoot a lower f-stop with this bright sun hitting you at the same time. Another cool filter is the Black Pro Mist filters that were used on Wolf of Wall Street and 42. It kind of gives it like a, it just kind of softens the image a little bit. You know, too many times we're obsessed with this like crisp, clean image, but really film sometimes can be like a little gritty. So if you put like a softening filter, like nothing too much, then you can kind of get a cool little effect. I, I was reading the ASC article talking about how they were using it for Wolf of Wall Street and how they used these these filters in the beginning of the film. I mean, you, you remember the Wolf of Wall Street, right? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. The last thing probably people will think about when they watch, like, oh. Watching DiCaprio and Margot Robbie. It's like, yeah. there's a lot of things going on. But, uh, but yeah, it's just very interesting that in the very beginning, whenever DiCaprio is uh, kind of first coming to Wall Street, everything's glamorized and, and it's just softened up. Probably also, too, because DiCaprio's, you know, has to, has to be younger, apparently. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly in that. Mm-hmm. So it definitely softens the skin. Cool little things. You can also get a leg stocking and put it, you know, between the lens and the uh, the actual sensor of the camera. Just little cheats, little work. Yeah, a little cheat. Yeah, you can, and you see those all the time, like on CheesyCam.com or No Film School, stuff like that. Sure, you can get Wally Pfister to shoot your film with all the best uh, equipment and the best camera on the planet, and it's going to look amazing. But you can also get him to shoot on, you know, probably a crappy little uh, flip cam or something, and he's going to outshine any amateur <laughs> uh, with with the with their beautiful red camera. You know, it it, it doesn't. They can't. Yeah, the camera's not going to make the. Um, it's not going to make you professional. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now we're going to go into the professional side of things. You know, really, when it comes down to it, if you have the money and you want to be professional, you're going to start your own production company, and you're going to end up spending a lot of money to have your own things and you're going to probably end up you know renting your own equipment because it's the smart thing to do because you're not going to be shooting 24 7 you know especially if you're going to be like running a production company but if you want professional like type stuff like you know if you want to shoot like a you know a sag low budget or whatever if you want to shoot a super cool like short film that's gonna like you know pretty much make your name or everything 
I would strongly suggest, especially nowadays with the rentals, we talked about this before, just renting, renting lights, cameras, everything that you need and, and go back and, and look at what, what it really is that you, that you're going to keep. Like, so maybe you do keep a a camera to kind of just, you know, shoot with or something. You don't need the $10,000, $20,000 camera to actually buy. You can rent it. The crew is the main important. We talked about that and it really is, that's the separation between low budget, medium budget and professional. You know, you can have... 10 people on a low budget film and uh, maybe I shouldn't say low budget film, but maybe a low budget, like, you know, sketch or something. And if they don't have equipment or they don't have the right equipment, then what's the point? Or if they don't have the knowledge, then what's the point? So it's like, if you're going to go into the professional route, you definitely want to make sure that you have the people to man the the money that you're putting into this and using tools like sliders, dollies, shoulder rigs, you know, going back to the, the whole like camera doesn't, isn't the be all thing. It's be all end all. Yeah. Be all end all thing. It's not, it's, it's going to be the other things that are used to move the camera and, and buy books. Like there's a book collection called the master shots. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they've, they've got a lot of diagrams in there that are really um, a great example of kind of what they're talking about. You know, it's very easy to read a book and they describe things, but you have no idea what they're getting at. Um, yeah. Master shots is a lot of uh, good images and things and it relates to films that are pretty common that you've seen and contemporary stuff. So it's not like, Oh, in Casablanca, they did this. Oh, in uh, Gone with the Wind, they did this. No. No, it's like new stuff. In Inception, Christopher Nolan and Wally Pfister did this, you know. And they kind of break it down for you. So it's it's a really cool book. Check it out. That's the end of our show. So if you have any questions or if there is a specific topic concerning acting, filmmaking, photography, or just life, you know, hit me up on Twitter at Eric V. Lopez, like Eric, E-R-I-C-K, V as in Victor and Lopez, Eric V. Lopez, hashtag the retro word. Just put the hashtag after the question or suggestion, and I will answer it on next week's episode, which will be about acting and new LA actors and tips and advice for them. I'll have Sarah Murphy on the show. So until then, I want to thank our guests this week, Zach Gowan. Any last word? Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, and when it comes down to uh, working on your short films and projects and, and web series and stuff, yeah, just do it. Just do it. You know what I mean? Just kind of just get it done and quite frankly, start with stuff that you aren't as invested in right off the bat because that way if you figure out, oh, okay, well, we, we would prefer to do this or this, then you save that for all your great, fantastic ideas <laughs> later and make those 100% and knock them out of the park. And since it is Sunday, I want to go ahead and end things on a, on a Bible verse and this one in particular speaks on material things. I know we were kind of just talking about a bunch of material things, but it's it's important not to lose sight of the greater picture and the grand scheme of things. The Bible verse is from Matthew 6.19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thanks again for listening to The Retro Word. I'm Eric Lopez. See you guys next week.